0: hey everybody and welcome back to deserts of plenty my name is ralph uh i am a former medical researcher turned uh actor comedian improv teacher (laughs) Uh, wow uh so what yeah well it's interesting i don't know a lot of people i think i know one other person or maybe a couple who have degrees in both science and art It's interesting, you know, it's science science and arts and sciences is a thing, but, uh, no, I have a fine arts degree, uh, in theater performance and a bachelor of science degree, specialist in immunology. I worked in medical research for 10 years. Uh, anyway, and, um, (laughs) that's a big, what was that about? Nothing. Uh, so I just, um, today what I wanted to, uh, talk about is, uh, I guess diet. Um, If you look in the fossil record of human beings going back like a million years, you know, you'll find that human beings did have dental cavities, tooth decay, at about a rate of, I think it was less than 5%, around the same as primates today have. And then about 10,000 years ago, there's a dramatic increase in the tooth decay in human beings. And that's linked to farming uh, and uh, change in diet more. So human beings started growing food and started eating more seeds and carbohydrates and things. And then about 700 years ago, with the advent of sugar being refined and mass marketed, especially in in Western Western Europe, uh, tooth decay became rampant. Um, so that's one part of this whole thing. And then secondly, um, uh, in the turn of the 20th century, uh, in Canada, I think it was the, the university somewhere in Ontario, it might've been Kitchener can't remember, but they sent teams up in the north to study the Inuit. And one thing that they discovered is that, uh, the Inuit people did not get cancer. In fact, they thought they were immune to cancer. Uh, Happening across the other side of the planet in Africa around the same time, uh, there was a doctor named Albert Schweitzer who around the beginning of the 20th century started opening up clinics in parts of Africa that were, um, I guess, remote, not visited by uh, white people, Western people, and uh, he treated, uh, well, leprosy and on and, um, a lot of different things, but no cancer. And in fact, one of his contemporaries said, uh, and I'm changing the quote a little bit, but I'm also going to misquote it. But he basically said something to the effect of it. If you were someone who and you found cancer in an African, you'd win the Nobel Prize. That's how rare it, it was. It didn't exist. Um, and so again, they thought, that Africans were immune to cancer. Turns out, neither Inuit nor Africans are immune to cancer. So change their diet, start feeding them what we eat, and sure enough, lo and behold, along comes cancer. So, it's interesting, right? That, that tooth decay didn't really become a thing until our diet became, I don't want to use the word unnatural, but different from what we had been used to. We, and I mean like the... The the ancestors of us today. We evolved over well, I mean, from <clears throat> depending on when you want to start. But basically, I mean, human beings have been evolving for since first life exa- first since life first um, showed up on this planet over two billion years ago. Um, our ancestors have been evolving, but humanoids or primates or um, have been evolving for several hundreds of thousands, millions of years. And uh, it's only in the last, you know, eight to ten, six to eight thousand years that we started farming, and um, things started changing. And one more little piece of the puzzle, or one more little interesting tidbit fact: there are basically three macronutrients. Uh, those are proteins and fats, and carbohydrates. Those are the main, the big three macronutrients. And uh, Proteins are made up of amino acids and there are essential amino acids. That is amino acids that you we have to get in our diet. We don't make them ourselves uh, because probably they were so ubiquitous in our diet that we lost the ability to synthesize those or ancestors of ours did because they didn't need to. And one of the misnomers or misunderstandings about evolution is not that things tend to get that that things are designed to get more complex over time they are really about fitting well into your environment um and so that means that sometimes organisms become simpler and human beings have become simpler or our ancestors did because they lost the ability to synthesize certain amino acids they are now essential we have to get them in our diet when it comes to fats, there are essential fats. There are fats that we have to get in our diet. Presumably, presumably because during the formative part of our evolution, we were getting them in enough abundance and quantities and we didn't need to make them anymore. Now with carbohydrates, there are no essential carbohydrates. There's no carbohydrate that you must go out and eat. So now there's no proof of this but that would suggest that there are no essential carbohydrates because we didn't see them enough and so we had to make our own. We had to learn how to make our own carbohydrates. So but that, that's pure speculation on my part. But it is interesting. There's no essential carbohydrates. No carbohydrate that you have to eat. But fats, yes. Proteins, yes. Or amino acids. But so that so those three things taken a turn. And one other, I guess one fourth little thing is when I was a kid growing up, and I'm 56, 57, um, many of the illnesses that are rampant, uh, I'd never heard of. So I didn't hear of type 2 diabetes until I was, you know, in my 20s, I think. Uh, likewise, a lot of the, you know, ADHD, a lot of these um, afflictions of children didn't exist when I was a kid. Or they didn't. They certainly didn't exist in the way they do now. I, now I know there's an argument that when it comes to things like ADHD, it did exist in just the same numbers. It just wasn't diagnosed, and I'm and I'm sure that's part of it. But I, you know, I've seen. You know, I, I have kids in, who are now almost turning thirty, and I have a nine-year-old, and the behavior that I see in kids is nothing like what I saw growing up. So I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's cultural, maybe it's society, but it seems to me there's something else going on. Likewise with uh, the amount of um, um, <laughs> uh, allergies, right? When I again, when I was a kid, there were, as far as I knew, two kids in my school that had asthma, and that's it. And there were no restrictions about bringing things to school foods you know uh certainly no kids are running around getting anaphylactic shocks i remember hearing about a kid once who had to carry an EpiPen because of bee stings that was the only person that i knew uh i'd heard of hay fever but didn't know anybody who suffered from hay fever uh alzheimer's not a not a disease i heard of until i was an adult um type 2 diabetes and while there were certainly people who were overweight uh it was different and you know the the, the sort of level of obesity that exists now did not exist when i was a kid so there's so things have changed really dramatically and the question of course is why and um uh, Just to add one more little interesting tidbit to this idea, Uh, many people are now, researchers and doctors are referring to Alzheimer's as type three diabetes. That there seems to be something with Alzheimer's and uh, fructose and fructose being a trigger of or or exacerbating it or somehow being um, implicated in its development. Because a lot of the diseases that we are seeing now that are really rampant, like cardiovascular disease, dementia, a lot of these diseases are diseases of um, our vasculature, like our, our blood vessels. And what role does sugar, which elevates insulin, what role is that playing in driving or exacerbating or even being the cause of a lot of these problems? And can we change them, ameliorate them by changing the diet to eat not to give up carbs? I'm not, I'm not one of those people who say give them up, but to go back to a, a relatively less <laughs> uh, ingestion of them. Because it's one thing that's very interesting is um, given the choice, our bodies will burn carbs preferentially to fats because carbs are easier to access and to access not access to access and to burn with oxygen quicker easier and so uh and also fat is more of the long-term storage molecule but one thing that's really interesting is if 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 and, and people do eat from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed now like we're snacking that's another thing that's different uh You know i I remember having breakfast lunch dinner sometimes a snack before bed but now again in schools kids are given snacks like sometimes once twice a day and that's great i mean it's awesome that for kids who are um you know maybe uh vulnerable because of of economics like that's great that they're getting that but one of the things about eating constantly especially carbohydrates is your body never has a chance to be without sugar and therefore without insulin. And insulin is a growth hormone. Insulin promotes growth. That's what it does. It tells the body not to burn fat. In fact, if you are on a calorie-restricted diet, but you're constantly snacking a little bit on sugar and you're constantly having glucose in your blood, which is making you have insulin, because insulin is what sucks up the glucose out of your blood, uh, you cannot burn fat, your liver will not burn fat and no matter, and if you continue to eat less and less and less and go into a calorie deficit and you still can't burn fat because of insulin, you can't, it's like trying to get money out of the bank when it's closed, uh, your body will just start shutting you down and making you feel tired and crappy. So, um, Yeah. So it's interesting that if we're constantly burning sugar and constantly have insulin in our bodies, we can't burn fat. And this may be very, very different. In fact, almost the exact opposite of how human beings used to be before the advent of farming. That probably we didn't burn carbohydrates very much because we, we we didn't see them very much. And we probably spent most of our time using fat as a fuel uh, in a, in an adaptive phase called ketosis, when you burn fat and these short chain fatty acids that, uh, and in our bodies, you know, if you get no glucose whatsoever, like I said before, there's no non, there's no essential carbohydrates. Your liver will make glucose because your brain loves glucose. So your liver will make it. So if you fast and don't eat for three or four days, your glucose level in your blood will probably be fine because your liver will scavenge things and make in a process called gluconeogenesis will make glucose to send about around your body to to so to um you know feed the cells that will preferentially want glucose so there's a lot going on with you know uh, diet and the, the the demonization of fat and if fat really was a problem, is a problem, particularly saturated fats, um, and uh, and how much what we've done by reducing fats and, and getting everybody on carbs and and vegetable oils, the vegetable oils, especially seed oils, are you know if you take grape seeds and crush them and make oil out of them first of all it smells awful they have to use deodorizers like the process of of making vegetable oils or seed oils especially palatable is it's just awful um anyway i i'm not a doctor and i don't suggest that anybody do anything um but i know that for myself since I have reduced the carbs that I eat and I try to go, I fast at least once a week for a full day, sometimes twice a week for 36 hours. And then I try to live at least part of my week, but half in this state of ketosis where I don't have, I don't eat carbs very much. And I track myself and and I'm in this ketosis stage. And I have noticed differences in my health and my body um energy is better and i did i did have episodes of brain fog about just pre-pandemic around 2018-2019 i was having episodes where i felt a little unsteady on my feet and i was also having terrible bouts of inflammation uh in My feet, especially my ankles, toes, my Achilles, was bothering me constantly. I always have some kind of foot issue going on. Since I started fasting and moving to keto in the last year, I've had, I had, uh, I I injured my elbow lifting weights and had tennis elbow that was really painful. And then I've had one episode of um, inflammation in my foot uh, that that left me limping a bit for a couple of days, and that's it. I've also had other things that were bothering me go away. Uh, the, the weird one is uh, I had these floaties, floaters, I think they're called floaters or floaties, floaters, in your eyes that they're, when you look at a bright sky, sometimes you see these like, uh, they look like little threads in your eye and they kind of float around there in your eye and they're bits of protein. But about, uh, about over a decade ago, I started getting some of them that weren't clear, they were brown. They were dark, and uh, I freaked out and asked my eye doctor who said it's normal. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just a thing of aging. Well, they're gone, and I had them for a decade, and they're gone, uh, and they were, they could be annoying, like, especially on really bright days. Like, you know, they could really, I mean, they, you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt my vision, but they were annoying because I could see them they were dark, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. And it was a you know another sign of aging. Uh, they're gone, and I don't know if that's the fasting or what, but certainly when one fasts, you enter a state uh, called autophagy, which is literally called literally translates as self eating, and it's your body going around scavenging all the bad bits because it's it's using them for energy. Uh, anyway, it's really fascinating and interesting stuff, and um, I, I just want to help spread the word about this stuff, not because I'm trying to convince anybody to do anything, but except maybe to look at, you know, uh, to look at what you're eating and how you're looking after yourself and realizing that, you know, unfortunately, some of the information that we are given nowadays seems to be, um, suspects. You know, and it, and it really seems like to me, it's the it's the it's the power of money and and the way that that can corrupt people and corrupt institutions and make them, you know, <laughs> like the American Heart Association in the early part of the 20th century it was a small little group, and um, when Procter and Gamble made Crisco vegetable shortening. And they needed a market for it. Well, what they were able to do was convince people that animal fats, lard, and butter, which is what everybody cooked with in the early part of the twentieth century in the late eighteenth, nineteenth century, were bad for you. And whether or not they were or are, is immaterial from what happened and that, you know, Procter and Gamble made the American Heart Association the number one um, charitable organization in America, which it still is today, and uh, you know it'd be really difficult, you know, if you're uh, a member of the American Heart Association back in 1920, 30, 40, when your budget just goes from nothing to millions of dollars, to then investigate Crisco and say it's bad. You know that, that's that's uh, that's you know biting the hand that feeds you, and I'm not and I'm not saying for sure that's what happened but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that money can buy influence and corrupt people and make them not wanna see things. You know, I, I had someone in my life who did, her family did quite well in the oil industry. And uh, this person was incredibly liberal on many things, uh, but there's she, she was She thought the idea that humans caused climate change to be an absolute joke and she says impossible impossible well you know maybe the fact that her family did very well in oil money was part of the reason why that was impossible because if you see you know that you've made money on a certain thing (laughs) it's pretty hard to look at it and see it negatively you know the same way mobsters can kill people and just say it's just business and not take it personally. Anyway, I hit my 20-minute mark. Uh, I just find this stuff fascinating, and I hope you do too. And if not, that's totally cool. But uh, hey, if you ever wanted to talk to me, uh, reach out. You can reach me at ralph.socap.ca, at S-O-C-A-P dot C-A. Thanks very much, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Bye.